This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you think Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is happy that you gave Florida the she, her pronouns? I don't know. What do you think he would give Florida? Not they, them. Florida is America's wang. Have you heard this before? Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Okay, so I love you guys. I love y'all a whole lot, but I'm not going to lie. I kind of can't wait until we're done recording this episode because Prehistoric Planet Season 2 dropped today on the day that we're recording this. I feel like my love of dinosaurs is pretty well documented on this show, and I really can't describe how excited I am to sit down and watch this. And this is a documentary <laughs> series. They had camera crews back then, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. And it, it really should serve as a dire warning to the human race because nature selected dinosaurs for extinction 65 million years ago and they didn't even do anything. Um, we're over <laughs> here fucking the planet. So we're trying to become extinct. <laughs> I know it, it, the odds are not looking great. So just yeah. have that in mind the next time that you throw trash on the ground or uh, you don't make efficient use of resources like gasoline. Just keep it in mind. <laughs> oh, I feel so guilty when you get like takeout or um, you go to a restaurant and they're like, oh, you want a box for that? And they bring you styrofoam. I'm like, oh, yeah. please. Every time you do Chinese takeout. Every time I see that, I'm like, aren't we past this? Haven't we? We, As a society, we figured out that we don't need styrofoam anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and yet we're still using it. It's just like, I get it. It's cheaper, right? And unless you're in a city that basically twists your arm and forces you to use compostable packaging, most small businesses are going to go with a cheaper option. But yes, yeah. like the guilt is real for sure. Understandably so. Well, anyway, um, we're excited for you, Laura. I did watch Thank the you. first few episodes of Prehistoric Planet season one. Oh my gosh. And okay. I was going to say you already beat her to season two. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Just season one. It is. It is very impressive. And Laura sent us a video at one point of something she saw that was just absolutely hilarious to her and to <laughs> us, too. But I think Laura was a little relaxed, let's say, when she watched this uh, particular yeah. scene and it was killing her. Yeah. It. Listen, <laughs> I, I still maintain that that shit was fucking funny, whether you're sober or not. 
It was. Um, it's hilarious. So yeah, check out Prehistoric Planet. And I'll give that as like my pre-recommendation for the week. Spoiler alert. <laughs> what was what was that scene that was really funny? Was the dinosaur like popping little arms out of its body or something? Yeah. <laughs> It was a mating ritual uh, of basically this, um, it's basically like a reject Model T Rex. And its mating ritual was that it like threw its tiny little arms out. The insides of its arms are bright blue. And it started waving them around and like doing this dance to try and uh, seduce its counterpart. And, uh, you know, ultimately was unsuccessful. (laughs) Oh, and so it was so sad, but so funny at the same time. Yeah. And God bless narrator David Attenborough, 97 years old. It's still working. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. They were like, we got to get this shit in the can quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They probably already got like the next four seasons recorded, at least with his voiceovers. So before we go any further today, just wanted to remind you all that we love getting feedback from our listeners. We read live feedback from patrons who are listening live all the time here on the show, but there are other ways to send in feedback, like through the comments of posts on Patreon or by emailing millennialshow at gmail.com. And here's a little feedback we received recently from Melissa. She said on our episode in which we were discussing high-yield savings accounts, Thanks to this episode, I checked my online savings account. I thought I was in a high-yield savings account. I've been putting the majority of my savings in it since 2013. Then I heard y'all say that the Apple card was over 4%. I definitely did not have that. Apparently, I had the completely wrong account type, so I just moved my savings from an account with APY of 0.30 to one with 3.75. It's a huge difference. I cannot believe I've been missing out on free money for years. I may move it again to an even better interest rate, but this was an easy move because it is the same bank. We're glad we uh, helped you flag that. Yeah, seriously. And, you know, I know it can feel discouraging to feel like, oh, my gosh, I've been using this much uh, lower return savings account for the last several years. But you're already head and shoulders above a lot of people. Most Americans don't even have savings accounts. So you're already moving in the right direction and you'll start making up for it with your new three point. 75% APY. So congrats on that. And while we're on the subject of feedback, please leave us a review in your favorite podcast app because it helps us be discovered by new listeners. And oh, would you look at that? Here's a review now. This person said, oh, this is Vegas strut. Not me. I need to keep an eye out for somebody strutting around Vegas to, to find who wrote this. <laughs> but they said, I love it. It's well put together, organized, and each episode is a reasonable length. Each host brings unique qualities and lived experiences to the table. They take time to address current events in a way I haven't seen other podcasts do. I truly feel like I'm hanging out with friends and talking tea with these incredibly fun hosts. Thank you, Vegas Strut. Oh, that's really nice. It's very sweet. Thank you. So, turning to some of our discussions today, on this show, and as is discussed elsewhere online, it seems like the older you get, the more difficult it is to make friends, especially when you might be moving somewhere new and don't know how to get started. And we've discussed a couple different ways before, but today I want to focus on one I actually started using a couple weeks ago called Bumble BFF. So, it's Bumble the dating app, but they have a BFF mode. And I don't think we've brought this up before, 
But were you too aware of this, the BFF? I feel like we maybe brought it up in passing. Okay. Um, but I am aware of Bumble BFF. Okay. Yeah. That's the I extent heard- of my knowledge as well. I've it exists. heard of it. Yes. <laughs> you haven't been swiping on it. Got it. So I had heard from somebody who was swiping on it uh, at a wedding I went to a couple of weeks ago. And then, yeah, I think I had heard. Of- oh, I also heard about it through a uh, Reddit uh, group. So I decided a couple of weeks ago, you know what? F it. I'm going to give this a shot. See how it goes. It's a very similar experience to dating apps. You set up a profile with pictures of yourself. You add a little bio. You answer some questions that the app has for you. Like, what's your ideal way to spend a Saturday night? You know, very like dating type questions. Um, But because you are in BFF mode, it's only showing you people who are also in BFF mode, not dating mode. You can also add some tags about yourself. Um, I do in the app identify as a podcast editor but not a podcaster because I don't need people being like, what's your podcast? And then going and being like, oh, he's a nut job. Never mind. (laughs) I don't need them hearing about what I do this early on. You know what I mean? It could be a good way to screen people, though. You know, if somebody checks out these podcasts and decides you're a nut job, you would probably (laughs) think that they're a nut job, too. Yeah, I guess so. But it's like, I don't want them knowing too much about me before we really... That's fair. You have revealed some really personal stuff <laughs> on here. So. Yeah. 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 They definitely can't listen to that most recent variety show. I, I would never uh, make a exactly single... That's what I was thinking. <laughs> They'll never invite you over if they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Put all the hairbrushes away. <laughs> And toothbrushes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that isn't a teaser for the variety show. I don't know what is. Um, So it's been actually really cool. I think what's interesting about it is it's people who are actively trying to make friends as opposed to people you might meet through other friends or at a bar. Maybe those people aren't exactly trying to make friends. Whereas if you're on Bumble, Bumble BFF, you're trying to make friends. Hopefully you're trying to have engaging conversations as well. I will say what something that has surprised me, and I guess maybe I understand this, for every 30 guys, it's showing me one woman. And I actually kind of thought there would be more women shown to me. Now, maybe there just aren't as many women on there, but I figure it's because women in particular would probably be uncomfortable with that. Mm. You know, it's hard to trust men, understandably so. Did you assume that you would get shown a little bit more of a balance because you identify as gay on there? Yeah, you would think like Bumble would take that into account, too. Yeah. I, I mean, I would assume that. Yeah. yeah so you're here. right. Like, I, I would be more inclined to swipe right on a gay man on Bumble BFF than I would on a straight man because I'd be like, are you really just looking for friendship or is this all a trick? Yeah. Yeah. But the, and not like I'm specifically trying to find women. I actually would like to find other gay guys here in Vegas. And uh, I'll get to that actually in a couple minutes. But I, it would be nice if there was some sort of way to actually do that. But again, I understand why Bumble might be trying to steer away from that. I'd be curious to know um, what the opposite experience is, what happens when women in your area sign up for this, are they say, are they seeing the same thing where they're mostly being served 
other women or are they getting more of a mix? Yeah. And I should add, it works just like Tinder in that you're swiping right and left on people. And I do want to talk about that in a few minutes because I don't think when it comes to friends, the focus should be photos first. Mm-hmm. Like, right. when you're, you know, you don't need to really need to be attracted to somebody to be their friends. <laughs> you don't need to be attracted. To right. It's probably better if you're not. Right. What kind of what kind of photos are you noticing people using on there? Because I feel like there's probably a difference in what you would put on a dating profile versus what you would put on like a a friend seeking app in terms of photos. Yeah. Well, first of all, I did include it's not my featured photo, but I did put a photo of me and Pat to remind people that I'm not looking for a relationship right now. Did you also specify that you're not in an open relationship? (laughs) Uh, No, I didn't go that far. That's also really popular right now. I didn't go that far. Um, (laughs) I have a photo of me and my dog and then like me paddleboarding. I like to show I'm a little adventurous too, you know? Anyway, I have been talking with a couple of people there. Got a couple friendships cooking let's say i'd say one we're definitely gonna hang out somebody else i was talking to for a couple weeks and then he i'm pretty sure he's ghosted me oh no we were talking for a while i thought it was going well did he find my podcasts like what's the problem (laughs) i actually you know when he ghosted me when i suggested we should hang out (laughs) oh no man well maybe Uh we're gonna get a confessional submission It was I who ghosted Andrew. No, I I do think that like some people are just socially awkward too, and maybe they're not ready to take that next step. So maybe that's fine. Yeah. And honestly, I could spend lots of time just like talking on the app, but I figure I should really try for my own benefit to actually make something happen with a couple of these. Because like with with dating, I've been that way too. Like I'll kind of drag it out talking over the dating app as much as possible. Um. So yeah, we'll see if um that guy ever gets back to me. I think this is really cool. And I definitely recommend if people are looking for friends in their area, they should give it a shot because it's it's harmless to you, I think. Like, again, it's the swipe system. So nobody's going to talk to you out of the blue and you can review somebody's profile. Like, I've tried to make friends, local friends through Reddit before, but it does feel a little strange to not know what somebody looks like and to not get a better sense of the person before we actually hang out. I like that Bumble offers a lot of information up front. Yeah, you got to swipe left on those conservatives right away because you don't want that in your friend group. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I did come across somebody who was conservative and I can't remember what their profile said. I should I should have screenshotted it. Um, And I'm hoping like this app like creates some like good not dating stories on the show like we used to do, but like friend dating stories. Right. (laughs) But yeah, there was somebody who was like, oh, I think he said explicitly, like, I'm gay and looking for conservative friends. I'm like, well, fuck that. (laughs) Gay and looking for conservative friends. Um, I hear Lindsey Graham (laughs) always looking for friends. Um, But what what an oxymoron. Like, do you not see what's happening? That's what's frustrating. To... The LGBTQ community in this country, but okay. Um, bullet dodged there, yeah. Andrew. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think so. And and they dodged the bullet too, because apparently they can't take a snowflake like me, a liberal. Yeah. I'm so curious to hear as you chronicle this experience here on the show, if when you do go out to meet your new Bumble BFF, 
if if it has the same vibe as when you're going on a date with somebody from a dating app. Yeah. Not to not to say that it would be, but I have to imagine that going to meet somebody in person for the first time that you're trying to create personal investment with, whether it's romantic or platonic, has to be kind of nerve wracking. So I'll be curious to hear if there are any similarities. Yeah. And because that will take effort too, like trying to create a good lunch or dinner hangout or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Another thing I noticed, which is kind of interesting, is that it slowly doles out the potential matches. So like I'm really only swiping through three to four a day and then I got to wait for some new ones. And I don't think it's just because it's Vegas in particular. Like there's a couple people I've matched with in just recent days who are Vegas locals and who have been on the app for a while. So I think they're purposely kind of trying to stretch it out so you don't swipe through them all um, too fast because there's surely not as many people on the BFF portion of it than the dating portion of it. Yeah, so probably. And they're probably trying to eliminate anyone from treating Bumble BFF like they might treat a regular dating app. Yeah. Um, Because to Pam's point, as a woman using an app like that, I would definitely be suspicious of the motivations of a straight man, for example, being on an app looking for a BFF and specifically connecting with women. Um, my head would be like, are you trying to do like, you know, best case scenario with friends to lovers <laughs> story <laughs> yeah. arc here? Yeah. Or like worst case scenario, you're just trying to like seem like the same off are op- the safe option so you can fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know what? I will admit I- I'm no angel either. I have ghosted a couple people as well. Just because, like, we started talking and, like, either the way they spoke was really annoying me. Like, they're they're talking like they're 14 years old in terms of how, like, how they spell things and stuff. Like, that... Or, or they're sending me too many messages. I'm just like, I'm already exhausted by this. <laughs> but, again, just like dating. Just like dating. And then some people... And I think... I might see this problem more with guys in particular. Some people just tr- aren't trying to carry the conversation. So then that's not worth your time. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this before that a lot of people don't know how to converse and how to strike a nice balance between talking about themselves and asking about the other person. So that does not surprise me at all, unfortunately. Yeah. And you two know from from dating over the years, like guys can be difficult. I'm sure you ran into that in particular with guys. (laughs) No, whatever are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like gay guys are a little better with that. I don't know. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Okay, good. That's the reason why both me and Pam are sitting here saying, yeah, if I was doing Bumble BFF, I would fully expect my feed to be at least 50% gay guys. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to talk to the straights. Because we get get along well with the gays. (laughs) Yes. It's the same reason why we've talked about this before. Uh, You know, Andrew, if you call me a bitch... It's completely different <laughs> context than if one of my straight male friends calls me a bitch. They don't have that level of rapport with me to call me that. Right. I'll get mad if they do. But if you do, I don't care. <laughs> right. I, I I matched with this one guy a couple days ago um, who lives in Vegas here. And, um, I, you know, I was trying to converse. And then, like, he very quickly is like, hey, do you use Instagram? Do you want to just chat on that instead? I said, OK, sure. 
So he's like, okay, I just followed you. I was like, me too. Uh, oh. <laughs> what? Uh-oh, what? You gonna find out I'm a podcaster? No, it's it's not that. It's just I think about my days in the online dating world, and that was always a one-way ticket to getting unsolicited dick pics. <laughs> oh, oh okay. <laughs> no, it hasn't gone there. Um, this guy's a music teacher. I think he's a good egg. Um, but uh he didn't like like we start like we followed each other on Instagram, but then he didn't like continue the conversation, which I thought was weird. Was he just looking for a follow back? Oh, that fucker. Now, uh, he might be a straight man, too, which would also explain the lack of conversation. So, oh, okay. That does explain a lot. But I expected more from a music teacher. Right. Sometimes they're awkward, though. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, please don't listen to this podcast. Um, so I guess now he has a direct line to this podcast because he followed you on Instagram. Oh, man. Andrew, I think as part of this ongoing segment, as you're having interactions with straight men through this app, yeah. let allow Pam and I to be your straight man translators. <laughs> I think that we'll oh, do a yeah. very good job of this. Okay, I'll keep an that's eye out true. for that. I'll keep an eye out for that. <laughs> anyway, that's that. Again, I do recommend people give it a shot if they're curious, um, if they're looking for a new way to make friends. Like I said, I, I think people are really trying on there since they are signing up for it and going into that mode on on Bumble and you got to make a profile. So you have to put some effort in. And I think that's a sign that a lot of people on there are pretty serious. I need to get swiping a little more right now and uh, we'll be back right after these messages. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, y'all. Well, we're getting ready to head into the summer season here in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, and we thought that we would talk about summer travel, particularly summer travel to the U.S. If you're international and you're thinking of coming here, um, a great tie in. Well, not not a so great tie in, but a relevant tie in is the fact that in light of continued gun violence here in the U.S., some countries have begun offering travel advisories for their citizens considering travel here. I always think this is really interesting because I think as people living in the United States, we're so used to hearing about travel advisories to go to other countries. And I think it's very foreign and kind of alien for people in the States to imagine other countries having travel advisories about us. (laughs) So... I thought we could very quickly um, talk about the uh, travel advisories for uh, the UK, Canada, Australia, and Mexico, or rather those countries have for their citizens to come to the US. And then a little bit later, we're going to talk about our own travel advisories that we want to offer for people looking to come to the US this summer um, to hopefully lighten things up a little bit. 
Um, so we have the travel advisories linked here in the doc, but I pulled some high level uh, commonalities out of each of them that seem to be present universally when looking at other countries' advisories about the U.S. The U.K., Canada, Australia, and Mexico all reference the amount of violence that happens here, particularly gun violence. Um, The UK mentions how protests are very commonplace across the US and says that some of them can become violent. Um, True. I I think this happens in the UK too. Yeah. As a note. Yes. I mean, fair. I thought it was also really interesting that Canada specifically said on their travel advisory for Canadians to familiarize themselves on how to respond to an active shooter situation. Um, it's really great. sad. I, I, yeah. I know. Imagine being like, I'm so excited to go to Disney World. Oh, wait. Yeah. It's <laughs> Canada is one of those reasonable countries that has no guns, right? Yeah. Well, I think they have a lot of guns. I think they just right. have very reasonable gun laws. That's fair. Yeah, and I think when for all these that we're talking about today, like when you look at these from outside the country, what are you to do but assume that gun violence, terrorism, etc., is more rampant than maybe it really is? And I'm sure, yes, the, the numbers are high here. But when you read these on their face, it's almost like you have a 50-50 shot of getting shot or witnessing a, a terrorist incident. Yeah, and I think we kind of see the same thing when we read travel advisories about other countries. Like I lived in Costa Rica for a couple of years. And if you go look up travel advisories, the U S has about Costa Rica or anywhere in Latin America, really, they make it sound like you're going to go down there and get like raped, murdered, robbed, uh, kidnapped, God knows what else. But chances are when you travel anywhere, Um, That is a reasonably safe, stable democracy. You're going to be fine. You just have to be self-aware and conscious of your surroundings. Don't go into like tourist mode and turn your your brain off and act like nothing's going to happen to you. I think that's the takeaway for international travel. I was was just going to say that because living and having grown up in and around a very tourist heavy city people that come and visit especially from abroad i see them do some crazy ass shit that i know that they wouldn't be doing in their own countries and it's like i i know that you're on vacation mode but also like you could still get run over if you stand in the middle of the street and there's a blind spot up ahead so like maybe you don't do that yeah. You know, <laughs> I'd be yeah. more concerned about like pickpocketing that, you know, yeah, being pickpocketed while traveling. Oh, that person's clearly a tourist. You know, they're snapping photos of all the iconic, they're snapping photos of Big Ben, must be a tourist. Mm-hmm. Let me try and follow them around and pickpocket them when they're distracted. But speaking of the UK, I looked up the US's travel advisory about the UK. And I feel like they just like going tit for tat with one another because (laughs) the UK travel advisory for Americans is exercise increased caution in the UK due to terrorism. Terrorist groups continue plotting possible attacks in the UK. They may attack with little or no warning. Duh. 
um, targeting tourist locations, transportation hubs, et cetera, et cetera. So everywhere is unsafe, really. But yeah, I wouldn't mm-hmm. even think about this. when. And the reason I looked at the UK is because when I have traveled abroad, that's where I go where I have been. And yeah, I'm not thinking about that. Like, yeah, I'm aware of the news stories. I'm aware of what's occurred, but it doesn't impact my travel there. Kind of like all those signs like that you see at Disneyland with a ride, say like warning, like there's carcinogens here, so you might get cancer or it's like all this legal jargon so you don't get sued, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I I think that like, because we're from here, we basically just don't pay attention anymore because everything is like a hazard, right? Yeah. But I'm never more aware of those than when I am taking somebody that is not from America. And then they're just like so shocked by all the signage and they don't understand why it's there. And they're like, is this normal? Like, should I be worried? It's like, no, it's just because we're so happy and people like to see you. So they got to cover all of their tracks and it's fine. Like, you're not going to... Get cancer and die. All that signage that you're referring to is Proposition 65 in California. That's particularly a California thing where all that signage needs to be basically everywhere. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) We don't we definitely don't have that here in Georgia, Um, which I mean, tracks, to be honest. Well, it also tracks for (laughs) California with like the over awareness. Like, do you really have to warn people that going on the teacups ride? can uh, give you cancer <laughs> like no right. because it's made yeah. with it's toxic spin so hard dad's gonna end up in the emergency room <laughs> yeah yeah because of the chemicals in the teacups or whatever it's i who, who even pays attention anymore i i certainly don't yeah i mean i don't know i think anything in this country can give you cancer our air yeah, exactly quality our water quality like eh. Mm-hmm. It's a shit show here, y'all. Have that in mind. Um, I thought it was really interesting that Mexico also noted for their citizens that tourists don't have access to free medical care in the United States. Mm. Really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as people from the U.S. that might feel like, well, duh, of course, you won't have access to free health care if you come here internationally. But that's... Uh, not true when you go to a lot of other countries. Uh, Andrew, you've been to the UK. Have you ever had an occasion where you needed to see- receive medical care while you were there or knew somebody who needed to? No, no. But I could easily if I needed to. Yeah. Which is which is very comforting. Yeah. I knew somebody who had to spend like three days in the emergency room while they were in the UK and they didn't pay anything. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Would never happen here. No. Yeah. I've seen, I'm sure you have too, Laura, like stories of Americans having to go to the ER in any abroad country. And then if they get slapped with a bill at all, it's like $65 or like a hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, I lived in Costa Rica on a tourist visa and I still received free health care and it was good. Um, Well, I thought that we could also uh, quickly talk about some of our own travel advisories for folks thinking about coming to the U.S. And each of us has put together a couple of items. Uh, Number one item for me would be avoid Florida (laughs) if you can. 
Uh, she's kind of on the shit list right now. She can't sit with us. Um, if you're interested, if you're interested in knowing why, listen to last week's episode. We dig into a lot of the fucked up shit that's happening in Florida right now, and um, diverting your tourist dollars from the state of Florida will help to send the message home that these types of anti-immigrant, anti uh, trans, anti-gay, anti-woman laws cannot stand if they expect to still, uh, you know, basically profit off of Mickey forever and ever. Do you think Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is, who's uh, announcing his run for president this week, by the way, is happy that you gave Florida the she, her pronouns just a minute ago? I mean, I don't know. What do you think he would give Florida? I've never thought not of the state them. as being probably she, her, or he, him. Yeah. Okay. It is a wang. It, Florida is America's wang. <laughs> Have you heard this before? It is kind of hung. Yeah, I and can I, see that. Yeah, and I, I could <laughs> see him being, you know, very single-minded and saying, "Well, it looks like a penis, so it's a he, him." <laughs> it looks like a penis, so we're calling <laughs> our state he, him. <laughs> okay, sausage fingers. <laughs> Um, I wanted to add something that'll serve you well everywhere you go in the U.S. Don't forget to tip. Um, the reason for that is we don't pay service industry workers a living wage here. So when you're out at a bar, when you're out at restaurants, if you're getting any other kind of service done, uh, please be sure to tip. Uh, I-, I would recommend 20%. But if you could do even 15 to 20%, that would be optimal. When my friend uh, Richard visited from the UK a couple weeks ago, we were in New York for a week. And I said, I'm just warning you now because he hadn't been here in a few years because of COVID. Every place of business now has these kiosks where they guilt you into tipping. And in some places, it's going to be justified. but But in many places, it's not. So be careful with that and try to avoid feeling guilty about that tip prompt. You can say no tip and just move on. Um, but be warned. And he was shocked. And I don't blame him with with how many prompts he received over the week we were in New York. Yeah, that's gotten out of control. And then you have to look the person in the eye after you say no tip. Yeah. I don't know if somebody said in our Facebook group or I read this on Reddit, maybe it was on Reddit. But somebody had said, if you feel awkward, just know that we who are working there feel awkward, too. That's not the choice of the employee to put up that prompt. Right. Yeah. You know, this also makes me think of if you go to like a fast food restaurant drive through or you go to your local grocery store, sometimes at the end of your transaction, they'll be like, would you like to donate one dollar to, you know, public saves like victims of roller coaster accidents or some other random shit? And they purposely do that to make to guilt you into being like, oh, God, yes, I would love to give a dollar to whatever. Save the roller coaster victims. (laughs) Save the roller coaster victims. But I I never give to these things unless it's something maybe a little more locally minded, because oftentimes these are a way for these companies to collect donations 
so they can make a huge donation to a charity and use it as a tax write-off. Oh, and then they get to do a press release and around a social media post, we donated $30 million. Yeah, and it's like, no, you didn't. You got donations from your customers. I never thought about that. Yeah, I would rather just, this is why I would rather just donate myself. That's yeah. what I do, too. I'm like, mm, I'll mm-hmm. go look this up. And if it's something that seems legit, I'll donate to it. Yeah. yeah or sometimes I'll be like, I already have. Because they could be trying to yeah. organize a fundraiser that runs for like a month. And you don't want to donate every time you go to, let's say, the food store if you're going on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, speaking of going to the grocery store, remember that in the U.S., the prices that you see advertised are not the final price. We charge tax at the point of sale. So if you're buying something that says that it's 99 cents on the shelf, you're actually going to be paying more like a dollar six, a dollar seven, depending on the state that you're in, depending on your local tax rate uh, of where you are. This is something that I've definitely seen throw friends of mine who come to visit the U.S. from other countries Uh, Because other countries just include everything in the total price that you see on the shelf. And so when they get to check out and see that their careful calculations about what they owed are actually different than what they had in mind, it's always a little bit of a shock. It's also tricky, too, if people are traveling across multiple states while they're here. Because, Mm -hmm. for example, well, in California, too, tax rate sales tax rate varies county to county usually so that that's one thing that trips people up because one place could have um an eight percent tax and the other place could only have a five percent tax so you're never going to be like right on the money if you don't Mm -hmm. know those numbers off the top of your head and then you have other states like Oregon that don't have sales tax at all so it's just tricky to keep all that in mind and if you start in one place and then end in another you're probably confused as fuck so And then the last thing I would add is, as you're thinking about coming here, it's a big country. Um, So I would say to consider maybe some less high profile destinations than New York City or LA. I feel like these are the kinds of places that most people think of when they think about traveling to the States. And by all means, you should go there. Um, They're great cities and there's a ton of stuff to do there. But if you're looking for other great places that maybe don't get as much fanfare, I'd recommend places like Atlanta, Georgia, Alexandria, Virginia, Austin, Texas, New Orleans. Do I even need to say Louisiana? I feel like everyone knows that's where it is. Um, Carmel, California is very beautiful and Nashville, Tennessee. So just a handful of cities that you could look into traveling to if you want to go somewhere that maybe isn't always the subject of uh, an American movie. (laughs) Or is uh, posted about too often on social media. Right. Okay, so mine are a little more tongue-in-cheek. First of all, beware of our massive portion sizes. We do everything (laughs) bigger here because we believe in overindulging to eat our anxiety away. It's cheaper than healthcare. True. Related to food... Our food is low quality. And I was reading interesting conversations about this the other way, other day. Compared to other countries, our food is low quality, uh, due in part to how we process it all. We overprocess everything for a variety of reasons. Y'all, it's true. Having lived abroad, I, and this isn't like, not to turn this into like a weight loss type conversation. But I lost weight just by existing 
in another country. And as soon as I came back to the States, it all came right back on. So there's definitely an element to the quality of our food here. Um, Because there was not, for me, there was not a significant difference in my lifestyle. It was literally just the quality and the freshness of the food that was available. 100%. Not to mention the the portion sizes are out of control. (laughs) You see a large McDonald's cup here and you compare it to a large McDonald's cup in the UK. A noticeable difference last time I checked. Yeah. If you're between the ages of 18 and 21, you are smart enough to vote, but not smart enough to drink responsibly. So be mindful of that when you come here. And last but not least, leave your metric system at the door. We don't want that shit. You need to learn the imperial system because that's what we do here and we're sticking with it. As ridiculous as it is that pretty much the rest of the world uses the metric system without us. Pounds, baby. Talking pounds (laughs) over here. Not kilos. Not Celsius. Uh, Fahrenheit. (laughs) We also drive on the right side of the road. Yeah. Which I know we're not the only country that does, but I know that it can also throw people off depending on where you're coming from. Well, speaking of driving, if you are going to drive while you're here, please pay attention to the parking signs and read them thoroughly because you don't want to get slapped with a parking ticket. That's a surefire way to ruin your day. And especially pay attention to all of those signs that say to make sure your valuables are with you or hidden from view because smash and grabs are on the rise in most major cities. And that would also be a shitty way to end your day if you come back to your rental car and realize the window's been smashed. So that's my first tip. Um, I would also say to like check if you need a reservation for any anything because you basically need a reservation for everything now coming out of COVID. That's just something that has stuck in place. And if you really want to do something, just make sure that you're weary or aware of whether or not you need reservations. Um, probably would really suck to roll up and then realize you can't do that thing that you were really looking forward to. And then for all of my coffee drinkers, this is something that I remember really confusing um, foreigners on when they would come into the coffee shop I used to work at. Whole milk equals full fat. So, and that's the default. So if you want something different, you know, just be aware of that. I also introduced Richard to oat milk. When he was here a couple oh, weeks did ago, he, like it? he liked it a lot. I was so excited. Ooh. And he actually texted me over the weekend. He's like, first time getting oat milk over here. I'm like, yes. Aww. Yes. Another convert. I do, love, do you love me some oat milk? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hopefully all of this gives people an idea of, you know, what kinds of commonplace day-to-day things to be aware of. If you decide to come to the U.S. this summer, um, you know, it is really sad to say that you probably should familiarize yourself with um, some of the safety recommendations that you see your country's travel advisories refer to, particularly around, you know, things like shootings, things like being in very crowded places, Um, but at the end of the day, you're probably more likely to run into some of the scenarios that the three of us just outlined. Um, but you should still always, you know, maintain awareness of your surroundings, but above all, just make sure that you have fun. 
and let us know how your trip goes. I'm going to go order three big gulps from 7-Eleven for the three of us. And <laughs> oh, we'll be right back. <laughs> what, Laura? <laughs> that should have been a recommendation. Yeah, a Laura's big gulp? Like, I'd love a big gulp. Diet go get a Coke. big gulp. <laughs> Or like go to QT and get a slushy. A slushy. Ooh, a slushy. How, how about those yummy. giant ass canisters they sell at 7-Eleven? You know what I'm talking about? Like they're, yeah. they're bigger than big gulps. They're like, they're tanks. They're huge. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe this. Like, like, I guess they're great for truckers. Yeah. Everything in this country is like you order food, you order a drink, and they're like, here, I'm going to give you a trough. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. of your food and your drink have this bucket for your coat yeah. uh yeah so i'll go get those big gulps and we'll be right back <laughs> so i wanted to talk about a couple of social media stories this week because there has been quite a few bigger social media stories that have been making the rounds over the course of the past week so first up, we have already talked about on the show how Congress and the United States on the whole has a bit of a bone to pick with TikTok, but Montana has actually taken it a step further. And they have now become the first state to officially ban TikTok. But we'll see how well that goes for them. So all of this went down last week when their governor signed a new Senate bill into effect, which effectively bans the Social Media Act. And this was done in an effort to protect the private information of residents. And in the announcement, kind of decreeing all of this, they specifically pointed to the Chinese Communist Party as using TikTok to spy on Americans as a focal point for why they decided to do this. As it stands right now, the TikTok ban in Montana is set to go into effect on the 1st of January next year. But that being said, it is expected to face some legal challenges before that. So, I mean, with that in mind, do we think that this is actually going to hold up? Well, so yeah, today, uh, TikTok did sue Montana. They called the ban unconstitutional. We'll see how that plays out. This And there's still a lot of questions here, too. How is it going to be banned? Will Android and Apple have to remove it from app stores in Montana? Can you cross state lines, download the app, come back? Or will it be banned at your internet service provider level? Like, There's a lot of questions about how this would even work. So... Right Mm -hmm. now, it just seems very far-fetched still that this will actually pass and pass the muster of the courts. Yeah. it also It's also just giving olds who don't understand the internet, to be honest with you, for, I mean, to the exact questions that you just asked, Andrew, it feels very much like um, this, like, broad swath um, proclamation that we're going to ban an app without any understanding of all the steps that you would have to go through to make sure that your app was specifically banned in a certain geography. Yeah. Yeah. It's just wild. So I heard a short interview with Hank Green a couple of days ago after this story broke. And there was also a question of, let's say you somehow use TikTok in Montana. Is the state going to come after you? Or are they going to come after Apple or the ISP? What would that punishment even look like? I mean, it's so stupid, all of it. 
Yeah. So to that point, as it stands right now, it doesn't look like Montana is actually going to go after residents for using TikTok, which kind of feels like it defeats the point of even signing this bill into effect, right? Yeah. Um, But the plan is, I guess, to just eliminate the ability for residents to even download the app at all, because what they would ideally want to do is slap Apple's App Store and Google Play and any other places that you can download apps with a pretty hefty fine, which would look um, like up to $10,000 a day for violation of allowing Montana residents to even download the app. And then in addition to this, TikTok itself would also be fine. So in addition to you know um, them probably arguing that this goes against uh, Montana residents' First Amendment rights to freedom of expression, they're also probably contesting this ridiculous fine that they would potentially be facing if this bill does end up going into effect on January yeah. 1st. So, Well, also, what if a Montana resident uses a VPN yeah. so that mm-hmm. they can download TikTok? I was TikTok. thinking about that, too. That That's not TikTok's fault. That's not Apple's yeah. fault. Yeah. <laughs> right. And to that point, I mean, and I think Andrew brought this up too, uh, the way that app stores are set up right now, it's not location specific. So they don't, they're not really like built with parameters in place to say, well, these states get this app, but this state does not. So that would require them to do a little bit of finessing behind the scenes if this even is something that ends up being held up in court. Yeah. I also just wonder if they're doing this intentionally because they want it to go to the courts and maybe they're hoping it ultimately lands at the Supreme Court. And if it did, this would be a much larger conversation because a Supreme Court decision on something like this could have an effect nationally. Yeah. Well, we know a certain administration who wants to ban it still. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, And I mean, just like when you look at we've talked about the heartbeat bills that so many states were putting up over the last several years, they were doing that intentionally because they knew that those would be challenged in the courts and they kept doing them again and again and again so that they could try to get one to go all the way to the Supreme Court. And ultimately, it worked out for them after a number of tries. So I wonder if that's the play here. So switching gears over to Instagram, they were also in the news last week because of some leaked information with regards to their response to Twitter. So I believe that we talked about this after Elon made headlines for coming in as Twitter's new CEO, that there were a lot of apps that were coming up trying to be people's new watering hole, right? Trying to be the Twitter that we're now mourning, (laughs) given that Elon's in power over there. Um, So Meta, who owns Instagram, has been quietly at work behind the scenes on a Twitter-like text app for a few months now. Like I said, this is not necessarily new information because we had heard before that they were really kind of, uh, you know, on the grind to try and get this up. And it looks like potentially we could be seeing this sooner rather than later. Um, New reports are actually saying that we could be seeing this Twitter-like Instagram app as soon as the end of June, which is just around the corner. So 
a couple of things that you could potentially look forward to if that timeline ends up being correct is an app where you would be able to sign in using Instagram and your information over there. Um, something that is really nice about this that a lot of the other apps that have tried to kind of come in and fill Twitter's very big shoes is that you'll be able to basically keep your followers. So all of your followers will transfer over to this new app, assuming that they're also signed up over there. That's really nice. Um, your handle and your bio and verification, if you have that, will also transfer over. So you're not necessarily starting from scratch or looking to build a, a whole new audience. It is going to have a little bit of a decentralized element, and it will be compatible with some other apps like Mastodon. So the TLDR there is that users on other apps will be able to search for and follow and interact with you, even if they're not already following you on this Instagram, Twitter. It doesn't really have a name yet, so it's kind of hard to figure out what to call it. Textagram. Textagram. There you go. (laughs) So... Textagram, as Andrew has now coined it, will also feature a feed that will allow you to make text posts up to 500 characters long. So kind of sticking with this new length that um, Twitter has already implemented. And then like Twitter, you will also be able to attach links and photos and videos to your posts as well. And then you'll also be able to choose who can reply and mention you, which has been a huge source of contention over on Twitter. They've made some decent strides over there with um, allowing users to limit who can you know, interact with their stuff. But it's nice to know that those security parameters will be in place from the get-go, I guess, whenever this launches. So that's what's going on over there. This is sounding really good to me. I said a yeah. few months ago, and I also tweeted something similar If anybody's going to be able to pull off a true Twitter competitor, it's going to be Instagram. They've already got the infrastructure in place to support a big launch. They have safety systems already in place. They already have the user base. I think I previously speculated they might bake it into the existing Instagram app or, God forbid, the Facebook app. But it's sounding like it's going to be a whole separate app. And I'm hopeful that really helps sell people on the idea of having a new place to go. It's not just hiding in the chat section of Instagram like that status message feature does. Um, Being able to carry over your existing username and followers, chef's kiss in terms of a way to really get Mm -hmm. people interested in in this app from the get-go. I am just begging when this app does come out, and we'll see if there's like a limited rollout at first or if... It's going to be available to everybody at once. I feel like if you make it limited, sort of like um, Blue Sky is right now, people want to get in. So then it increases interest. Like everybody wants what they can't have. So then they really want an invite. Um, I, I, I'm kind of torn. It'll be interesting to see how how they roll it out. But when everybody does have access, and if you currently use Twitter, I'm begging everybody to immediately halt posting on Twitter. Go fucking silent on Twitter and go all in on Textagram because Twitter, people are not going to move somewhere else if Twitter is still Twitter. Really, as far as I can see in my circles who I follow, nothing's changed on Twitter. Everybody's still tweeting. They're on Mastodon. They're on Blue Sky. They're on Instagram, but they're still tweeting. So your audience isn't going to move. And that's why there was this report this last week about 
this app. Apparently, they're already sharing it with creators, which is good. They want to get the celebs and the creators over there. Because if they're not there, everybody else isn't going to move. Yeah, the the following, like being able to just transfer all your information sounds so nice. That is something that's been missing from everywhere else because the whole point of social media is to interact with people and have interact and have them interact with you, right? But as it stands right now, there hasn't really been a response to Twitter that has really like easily allowed you to sign up and then still have that same sort of interaction. Right. It's all about just like trying to find the same people that you were already following on this new app and and then having people find you there, which is just so much more trouble than it's worth. And I think that's part of the reason why people are still tweeting to your point, because nobody knows if anything new is going to take off. And so they still want to seem interesting to people that are following them over on Twitter. Yeah. Maybe we can have somebody on at some point to enlighten us on what what decentralization means exactly. I kind of understand it, but I don't. Basically, it's kind of like open source. Like, And this is one reason mm-hmm. Mastodon hasn't truly taken off like some people hoped. When you sign up for Mastodon, initially, you had to pick which server, I'm forgetting the word exactly, to join. Yeah. And that was a deal breaker for people because it's like, well, what server on Mastodon do I join? I don't get it. Now they are defaulting to putting everybody in some one server just to make it easier for people. But they took too long to set that up as the default. And now it hasn't taken off. Yeah. I mean, as evidenced by the fact that I had no idea Mastodon had made that update, I signed up for Mastodon months ago. And immediately got overwhelmed by the number of servers that I could choose from and wondering, well, wait, where am I going to find my friends? <laughs> yeah. Decentralization is good because instead of all of your info being stored on one server controlled by a single company, it's spread out through a blockchain and independent servers. So basically, the reason this is nice is because one day, Elon can't buy Mastodon and and take over the whole platform. It's decentralized. He can't control it that way. Well, how are things going over on Blue Sky? Yeah, I did get an invite to Blue Sky. It's okay. It looks just like Twitter. It's a little more wholesome, it seems, I guess. Um, I've posted pictures of sweet puppy Finn. I'm trying to I'm trying to do my part to keep it wholesome over there. I'm tweeting or skeeting, apparently they're called on Blue Sky. Okay. <laughs> that ruins the wholesome atmosphere if they're calling it skeeting. I would agree with you. I have no clue what the heck is going on there. Um <laughs> and AOC did skeet about Zelda, so I replied with with my own skeet answering her question about Zelda. I'm trying to do my part to keep it more wholesome over there. Uh, that said, I, I see some recognizable faces, but it's not like I'm not like addicted to it like I am Twitter because everybody's still on Twitter. All the best stuff is still on Twitter. So what you're saying is we're not missing much. <laughs> you're not. Yeah. I hate to say it. I was optimistic That's this was going to be the new Twitter. And, uh, you know, again, people are there, but it's it's not what Twitter is. All right. Textagram <sighs> come through. <laughs> come through, please. And I hate to say that because it's another Mark Zuckerberg product, but... I'll take Mark's Twitter ripoff over Twitter. So, all right. Well, that's what's going on in the world of social media. What's coming up in After Dark today? 
kind of more pop culture related topics, right? Yes. So we're going to be diving into reality television, but specifically the darker side of reality television. This is a conversation we've been wanting to have for a while. And we're basically just going to be talking about how even though reality TV might be fun to watch, it might not actually be fun for um, people that go on these shows. So it should be fun discussion overall. So that'll be at patreon.com slash millennial. And by the way, coming soon to our Patreon and probably others, free trials. People have been asking for these for a while. Patreon's going to be rolling out the feature on May 23rd, my birthday. And then creators can turn them on. And yeah, you'll be able to get a seven-day free trial to Millennial because we will be uh, turning this on for our own Patreon. And then once this uh, seven days ends, a regular subscription will kick in. But of course, you can cancel at any time, as has always been the case. So look forward to that launching probably within the next few days if you don't already see that it is available. Many more benefits available at patreon.com slash millennial outside of After Dark, like access to our exclusive Discord group, our live streams, $10 and higher patrons get a new physical gift every year, and lots more. Thanks, everybody who supports us. We couldn't do it without you. By the way, we won't have a normal episode for everyone next week because of the holiday here in the U.S., but we will be releasing a great After Dark from the archives from earlier this year to the public. So please look forward to that too. Time for some recommendations. This might be the shortest recommendation segment ever. I'm going to recommend Bumble BFF. It's definitely worth checking out if you've been uh, looking for a new way to make friends. Uh, As I mentioned at the top of the show, really recommend checking out Prehistoric Planet on Apple TV. Season two has dropped. Um, So if you've already seen season one, definitely check out season two. If you haven't started it, please go back to the very beginning. It is such good television. It's beautiful. If nothing else, it's a beautiful show to watch, but also super interesting. And, you know, as an additional item, I would say flood Andrew's social media with birthday wishes on his birthday, the 23rd. Thank you. This episode will probably be out the day after, but still flood it. Still you know, flood it. Still, still flood it. Still flood my I'm Twitter curious. while I'm still tweeting and skeeting. <laughs> tweeting and skeeting. That's your summary. Episode title. <laughs> Laura, will you be watching Prehistoric Planet season two in your dinosaur costume? What do we call it? Probably my onesie. <laughs> your onesie. Yes. I watched season one in the dinosaur onesie. Oh, so. okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> got to continue the tradition then. I know. I'll uh, I'll get some pics for the socials. And I wanted to recommend picking up some record sleeves if you are a vinyl buyer slash collector like I am. I on I'm so bad at this. I know some people have really strong opinions about this. If you're talking to somebody that's really into vinyl, um, I usually just get whatever's cheapest at my local record store, but Amazon has a good selection as well. So right now I'm currently using the brand Invest in Vinyl. And um, I looked before we started this episode and you can get a um a variety pack that has outer and inner sleeves. Um, I don't put these on all of my vinyls, but I specifically like to put um, my newer stuff in um, outer sleeves at least. And the reason is because newer vinyls always come with 
hype stickers, which are like the little stickers that are um, on like the um, store packaging. Sometimes they're special stickers, like if it's a record store day exclusive, and you might want to keep that if you're sentimental like I am. But you don't want to necessarily keep the plastic. If you put your record in a sleeve, you can just peel off the sticker and put it on the sleeve. You don't have to put it exactly, you know, you, you don't have to put it right on the record jacket. Oh. So that's really nice. Yeah. So anyway, and then like jackets also just like really help because you don't get any scuff marks. Like I inherited a lot of my records. So they're a lot of them are really dinged up. They've had some wear and tear. So if you don't want that to happen to your newer stuff or something that's in more pristine condition, that's another reason why you might want to use vinyls. And if you get the inner sleeves, it decreases the um, like static and the potential for your records to get scratched because they're a little bit more delicate. So yeah, lots of good reasons to um, pick some of these up. And um, if you're just looking for a cheap way to get more wear and tear out of your records, I would recommend these invest in vinyl record sleeves because they've been working well for me. And I think you can get the variety pack of like 100 total. So like 50 outer 50 inner for like under 30 bucks on Amazon. So cool. Not too bad. Yeah, looking on their site, it's um, 30 bucks direct from their site. It looks like two under 30. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, a couple other reminders before we wrap up. Make sure you're following the show in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And do leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Also, follow us on social media. We're a millennial show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then over on TikTok, we are Millennial Pod. After Dark starts in a moment for patrons and Apple Podcast subscribers. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Happy unofficial starts of summer, everybody. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Happy birthday, Andrew. Bye. Thank you.